0: section five consisting of chapter six of sixty years in southern california eighteen fifty three to nineteen thirteen by harris newmark this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by p j landau chapter six merchants and shops eighteen fifty three trivial events in a man's life sometimes become indelibly impressed on his memory and one such experience of my own is perhaps worth mentioning as another illustration of the rough character of the times one sunday a few days after my arrival my brother called upon a tonsorial celebrity peter biggs of whom i shall speak later leaving me in charge of the store there were two entrances one on main street the other on raquena i was standing at the main street door unconscious of impending excitement when a stranger rode up on horseback and without the least hesitation or warning pointed a pistol at me i was not sufficiently amused to delay my going but promptly retreated to the other door where the practical joker astride his horse had easily anticipated my arrival and again greeted me with the muzzle of his weapon these maneuvers were executed a number of times and my ill-concealed trepidation only seemed to augment the diversion of a rapidly increasing audience my brother returned in the midst of the fun and asked the jolly joker what in hell he meant by such behavior to which he replied oh i just wanted to frighten the boy soon after this incident my brother left for san francisco and his partner jacob rich accompanied by his wife came south and rented rooms in what was then known as mellis's row an adobe building for the most part one story standing alone with a garden in the rear and occupying about three hundred feet on the east side of los angeles street between aliso and first in this row said by some to have been built by barton and nordholt in eighteen fifty for captain alexander bell a merchant here since eighteen forty two after whom bell street is named and by others claimed to have been the headquarters of fremont in eighteen forty six there was a second story at the corner of aliso provided with a large veranda and there the bell and mellis families lived francis mellis who arrived in california in eighteen thirty nine had married the niece of mrs bell and bell having sold the building to mellis bell's row became known as mellis's row finally bell repurchased the property retaining it during the remainder of his life and the name was again changed this famous stretch of adobe familiarly known as the row housed many early shopkeepers such as ferner and kraushar general merchants kalisher and wortenburg and bachman and bauman the coming to los angeles of mr and mrs rich enabled me to abandon leroux's restaurant as i was permitted to board with them none the less i missed my brother very much everything at that time indicating that i was in for a commercial career it was natural that i should become acquainted with the merchants then in los angeles some of the tradesmen i dare say i have forgotten but a more or less distinct recollection remains of many and to a few of them i shall allude temple street had not then been opened by beaudry and potts although there was a little cul-de-sac extending west from spring street and at the junction of what is now spring and temple streets there was a two-story adobe building in which d w alexander and francis mellis conducted a general merchandise business and at one time acted as agents for mellis and howard of san francisco mellis who was born in salem massachusetts february 3, twenty four came to the coast in 1839, first landing at santa barbara and when i first met him he had married adelaida daughter of don santiago johnson and our fellow townsman james j mellis familiarly known as plain jim was a baby alexander and mellis had rather an extensive business in the early days bringing goods by sailing vessel around cape horn and exchanging them for hides and tallow which were carried back east by the returning merchantmen they had operated more or less extensively even some years before california was ceded to the united states but competition from a new source forced these well-established merchants to retire with the advent of more frequent although still irregular service between san francisco and the south and the influx of more white people a number of new stores started here bringing merchandise from the northern market while san francisco buyers began to outbid alexander and mellis for the local supply of hides and tallow This so revolutionized the methods under which this tradition-bound old concern operated that by 1858 it had succumbed to the inevitable, and the business passed into the hands of Johnson and Allenson, a firm made up of Charles R. Johnson, soon to be elected county clerk, and Horace L. Allenson. Most of the commercial activity in this period was carried on north of First Street, the native population inhabited sonora town for the most part a collection of adobes named after the mexican state whence came many of our people there was a contingent from other parts of mexico and a small sprinkling of south americans from chile and peru among this spanish-speaking people quite a business was done by latin american storekeepers it followed naturally enough that they dealt in all kinds of mexican goods one of the very few white men in this district was José Mascarell, a powerfully built French sea captain and master of the ship that brought Don Luis Vinas to the Southland, who settled in Los Angeles in 1844, marrying an Indian woman. He had come with Prudhomme and others, and under Captain Hensley had taken part in the military events at San Bartolo and the Mesa. By 1865, when he was mayor of the city, he had already accumulated a number of important real estate holdings and owned with another Frenchman, Juan Barry, a baker, the block extending east on the south side of Commercial Street from Maine to Los Angeles, which had been built in 1861 to take the place of several old adobes this the owners later divided mascarell taking the southeast corner of commercial and main streets and Barry the southwest corner of commercial and los angeles streets in the seventies i w hellman bought the Mascarell corner and in eighteen eighty three the farmers and merchants bank moved to that location where it remained until the institution purchased the southwest corner of fourth and main streets for the erection of its own building andres ramirez was another sonora town merchant he had come from mexico in eighteen forty four and sold his general merchandise in what for a while was dubbed the street of the maids later this was better known as upper main street and still later it was called san fernando street Luis abarca was a tradesman and a neighbor of ramirez prosperous until the advent of the pioneer he little by little became poorer and finally withdrew from business. Juan Bernard, a native of French Switzerland, whose daughter married D. bottier now an important landowner, came to California by way of the horn in search of the precious metal preceding me to this land of sunshine. For a while he had a brickyard on Buena Vista Street, but in the late 70s, soon after marrying Señorita Susana Machado, daughter of Don Agustin Machado, he bought a vineyard on Alameda Street, picturesquely enclosed by a high adobe or brick wall much after the fashion of a european chateau he also came to own the site of the natick house a clever linguist and a man of attractive personality he passed away in 1889. an american by the name of george walters lived on upper main street among the denizens of which locality he was an influential person born at new orleans as early as 1809. Walters had trapped and traded in the Rocky Mountains, then teamed for a while between Santa Fe and neighboring points. Near the end of 1844, he left New Mexico in company with James Waters, Jim Beckwith, and other travelers, finally reaching Los Angeles. Walters, who settled in San Bernardino, was at the Chino Ranch with B.D. Wilson and Louis Rubido when so many Americans were made prisoners julian chavez after whom chavez street is named was here in eighteen fifty three if he was not native born he came here at a very early day he owned a stretch of many acres about a mile northeast of los angeles he was a good honest citizen and is worthy of recollection ramon alexander a frenchman often confused with david alexander came to los angeles before eighteen fifty while it was still a mere mexican village pioneers remember him especially as the builder of the long-famous roundhouse on main street and as one who also for some time kept a saloon near ricana street alexander's wife was senorita valdes he died in eighteen seventy antoine labry was another frenchman here before the beginning of the fifties he continued to live in los angeles till at least the late seventies a fellow countryman b du bourdieu had a bakery in sonora town philip Rime, the good-natured german to whom i have referred had a little store and saloon before i came called los dos amigos as the proprietor of which he was known as don felipe nor was this title amiss for felipe married a native woman and german though he had been he gradually became like so many others who had made it in the same way more and more californian in manners and customs a month after i arrived here john bain who had a grocery business at the northeast corner of first and los angeles streets retired he had come to los angeles from baden in eighteen forty eight and after forming one or two partnerships had sold out to lorenzo leck a german dane who reached here in november eighteen forty nine and whose son henry von der leck married a daughter of tom mott and is living near san juan capistrano Leck opened his own store in 1854, and despite the trials to which he was to be subjected, he was able in 1868 to pay John Schumacher $3,000 for a lot on Main Street. Leck had a liking for the spectacular, and in the November previous to my arrival was active, as I'd been told, with Goller and Nordholt in organizing the first political procession seen in Los Angeles the election of pierce was the incentive and there were gorgeous transparencies provided for the event it was on this occasion that a popular local character george the baker burned himself badly while trying to set off the diminutive cannon borrowed from the spanish padre for the event in the one-story adobe of Mascarell and Berry on the corner of Commercial and Main Streets, now the site of the United States National Bank, an Irishman named Samuel G. Arbuckle, who had come here in 1850 and was associated for a short time with S. Lazard, conducted a dry goods store. From 1852 to 1856, Arbuckle was city treasurer. In the same building and adjoining Arbuckle's, john jones father of mrs j b lankersham and m g jones carried on a wholesale grocery business jones had left england for australia when forty-seven years old and a year later touched the coast of california at monterey and came to los angeles twice a year jones went north in a schooner for the purpose of replenishing his stock and after making his purchases and having the boat loaded he would return to los angeles sometimes he travelled with the round-bellied short and jolly captain morton who recalled his illustrious prototype wooder van twiller so humorously described by washington irving as exactly five feet six inches in height and five feet six inches in circumference sometimes he sailed with captain j s garcia a good-natured seaman during his absence the store remained closed and as this trip always required at least six weeks some idea may be obtained of the sleepy hollow methods then prevailing in this part of the west in eighteen fifty four or eighteen fifty five jones who was reputed to be worth some fifty thousand dollars went to san francisco and married miss doria dayton and it was generally understood that he expected to settle there but having been away for a couple of years he returned to the city of the angels this being one of the first instances within my observation of the irresistible attraction of los angeles for those who have once lived here it is my recollection that jones bought from john g downey the cristobal aguilar home then occupied by w h and mrs perry a building the more interesting since it was understood to have served long in the past and before the american occupation as a calabozo or jail and to have had a whipping-post supposed to have done much service in keeping the turbulently inclined natives quiet how many of the old adobes may at times have been used as jails i am unable to say but it is also related that there stood on the hill west of the plaza another cuartel, after the home of b s Eaton, where fred later mayor of los angeles was born like felix bachman and others jones entered actively into trade with salt lake city and although he met with many reverses notably in the loss of captain morton's laura bevan which sank carrying down a shipload of uninsured goods he retired well to do john sometimes called juan temple or jonathan as he used to sign himself in earlier years who paid the debt of nature in eighteen sixty six and after whom temple street is named was another merchant, having a store upon the piece of land, later the site of the Downey Block, and now occupied by the post office, which from eighteen forty nine to eighteen sixty six was in charge of my friend Don Ignacio Garcia, his confidential business agent. Garcia imported from Mexico both serapes and Rebozos, and as every Mexican man and woman required one of these garments, Temple had a large and very lucrative trade in them alone following the death of temple garcia continued under Hinchman, the executor of the estate until everything had been settled it was really far back in eighteen twenty seven when temple came to los angeles started the first general merchandise store in town and soon took such a lead in local affairs that the first vigilance committee in the city was organized in his store in eighteen thirty six toward the fifties he drifted south to mexico and there acquired a vast stretch of land on the coast but he returned here and was soon known as one of the wealthiest yet one of the stingiest men in all california his real estate holdings in or near los angeles were enormous but the bad judgment of his executor cost him dear and valuable properties were sacrificed after his death temple's wife who once accompanied her husband to paris and had thus formed a liking for the livelier french capital returned to france with her daughter later Doña ahuria to live and a f hinchman temple's brother-in-law who had been superintendent of santa barbara county schools was appointed administrator hinchman then resided in san diego and was intensely partial to that place this may have prejudiced him against los angeles but whatever the cause he offered temple's properties at ridiculous prices and some of the items of sale may now be interesting the present site of the government building embracing as it then did the forty foot street north of it was at that time improved with an adobe building covering the entire front and running back to new high street and this adobe known after temple's death as the old temple block Hinchman sold for $15,000. He also disposed of the new Temple block, including the improvement at the south end, which I shall describe, for but $16,000. I remember quite well that Ignacio Garcia was the purchaser, and that tiring of his bargain in a couple of weeks, he resold the property to John Temple's brother, Francisco, at cost. Hinchman, for fourteen thousand dollars also disposed of the site of the present bullard block whereon temple had erected a large brick building the lower part of which was used as a market while the upper part was a theatre the terms in each of these three transactions were a thousand dollars per annum with interest at ten per cent he sold to the bixbys the cerritos rancho containing twenty six thousand acres for twenty thousand dollars besides these there were eighteen lots each one hundred and twenty by three hundred and thirty feet located on fort street now broadway some of which ran through to spring and others to hill which were bought by j f burns and william buffum for one thousand and fifty dollars or fifty dollars each for the twelve inside and seventy five dollars each for the six corner lots Returning to the Fort Street lots, it may be interesting to know that the property would be worth today, at an average price of $4,000 per foot, about $9 million. Eugene Meyer purchased one of the lots on the west side of Fort Street, running through to Hill, 120 by 330 feet in size, for the sum of $1,000, and I paid him $1,000 for 60 feet and the same depth. In 1874, I built on this site the home occupied by me for about 12 years, after which I improved both fronts for F. L. Blanchard. These two blocks are still in my possession. The Broadway building is known as Blanchard Hall. Blanchard, by the way, a comer of 1886, started his Los Angeles career in A. G. Bartlett's music store, and has since always been closely identified with art movements he organized the system of cluster streetlights in use here and was an early promoter of good roads charles l ducommon was here in business in eighteen fifty three he and john g downey having arrived together three years before according to the story still current ducommon with his kit and stock as a watchmaker and downey with his outfit as a druggist hired a carreta together to transport their belongings from san pedro to los angeles but the carreta broke down, and the two pilgrims to the city of the angels had to finish their journey afoot. Ducommon's first store, located on Commercial Street between Maine and Los Angeles, was about sixteen by thirty feet in size, but it contained an astonishing assortment of merchandise, such as hardware, stationery, and jewelry. Perhaps the fact that Ducommon came from Switzerland then, even more than now, the chief home of watchmaking, explains his early venture in the making and selling of watches. However that may be, it was to Charlie Ducamans that the bankrupt merchant Moreno, later sentenced to fourteen or fifteen years in the penitentiary for robbing a Frenchman, came to sell the Frenchman's gold watch. Moreno confessed that he had organized a gang of robbers after his failure in business, and had murdered even his own lieutenants ducommon pretending to go into a rear room for the money slipped out of the back door and gave the alarm ducommon's store was a sort of curiosity shop containing many articles not obtainable elsewhere and he was clever enough when asked for any rarity to charge all that the traffic would bear i wonder what charlie ducommon would say if he could return to life and see his sons conducting a large modern wholesale hardware establishment on an avenue never thought of in his day were once stretched acres of fruit and vinelands ducommon street commemorates this pioneer Osro w childs who came to los angeles in november eighteen fifty was for a while in partnership with j d hicks the firm being known as childs and hicks they conducted a tin shop on commercial street in a building about twenty by forty feet in eighteen sixty one h d barrows joined them and hardware was added to the business somewhat later the firm was known as j d hicks and company in 1871 barrows bought out the childs and hicks interests and soon formed a partnership with w c furry although the latter arrived in los angeles only in 1872 when barrows retired furry continued alone for several years the w c furry company was next organized with james w hellman as the active partner of furry and with simon meyer the meat packer and brother of the brewer and j a graves as stockholders hellman in time succeeded this company and continued for himself when childs withdrew he went in for importing and selling exotic trees and plants and made his home place in more modern days known as the huntington purchase and running from Main to Hill and Eleventh to Twelfth Streets, wonderfully attractive to such tourists as then chanced this way. He also claimed to be the pioneer floriculturist of Los Angeles County. Toward the end of his life, Childs erected on Main Street, south of First, a theater styled an opera house, and later known as the Grand, which was popular in its time. Childs Avenue bears the family name labatt brothers had one of the leading dry-goods houses which strange as it may seem they conducted in a part of the abel stearns home corner of main and arcadia streets now occupied by the baker block their establishment while the most pretentious and certainly the most specialized of its day in town and therefore patronized by our well-to-do people would nevertheless make but a sorry appearance in comparison with even a single department in any of the mammoth stores of today jacob elias was not only here in eighteen fifty three in partnership with his brother under the firm name of elias brothers but he also induced some of his friends in augusta georgia to migrate to california among those who came in eighteen fifty four were pollock whose given name i forget and l c better known as clem goodwin the latter clerked for a while for elias brothers after which he associated himself with pollock under the title of pollock and goodwin They occupied premises at what was then the corner of Aliso Street and Nigger Alley, and the site, some years later, of P. Beaudry's business when we had our interesting contest, the story of which I shall relate in due time. Pollock and Goodwin continued in the general merchandise business for a few years, after which they returned to Augusta. Goodwin, however, came back to California in 1864 a Benedict, and while in San Francisco accidentally met Louis Pulaski, who was then looking for an opening goodwin induced pulaski to enter into partnership with him and the well-known early clothing house of pulaski and goodwin was thus established in the Downey block in eighteen sixty seven they bought out i w hellman and moved over to the southeast corner of commercial and main streets goodwin sold out to pulaski in eighteen eighty one when the firm became pulaski and sons In 1883, Sam Isidore and Meyer L. Pulaski bought out their father, and in time, Pulaski brothers also withdrew. Goodwin became vice president of the Farmers and Merchants Bank. Pulaski died in 1900, Goodwin having preceded him a short time before. Goodwin left his wife some valuable property, and as they were without issue, she so richly endowed the children's hospital at her death that the present building was made possible the lanfranco brothers juan t and mateo came from genoa italy by way of lima peru and new york whence they crossed the plains with james lick the carpenter later so celebrated and they were both here in business in eighteen fifty three juan a small capitalist or petty rentier living where the lanfranco building now stands opposite the federal building while mateo kept a grocery store on main street not far from commercial in eighteen fifty four juan added to his independence by marrying senorita petra pilar one of fourteen children of don jose loreto sepulveda owner of the Palace verdes rancho the celebration of the nuptials in dancing and feasting lasting five days it was at that ranch that a great stampede of cattle occurred due to fright when the pioneer sulky imported by juan lanfranco from san francisco and then a strange object was driven into their midst about eighteen sixty one the first lanfranco building was erected Mateo died on october fourth eighteen seventy three while juan passed away on may twentieth eighteen seventy five his wife died in eighteen seventy seven a daughter married walter maxwell a second daughter became the wife of walter s moore for years chief of the fire department and still another daughter married arthur brentano one of the well-known paris and new york booksellers solomon lazard and maurice kramer cousins of about the same age and natives of lorraine were associated in eighteen fifty three under the title of lazard and kramer being located in a storeroom in mellis's row and i may add that since nearly all of the country development had taken place in districts adjacent to san gabriel el monte and san bernardino travel through aliso street was important enough to make their situation one of the best in town lazard had arrived in san francisco in eighteen fifty one and having remained there about a year departed for san diego where it was his intention to engage in the dry goods business finding that there were not enough people there to maintain such an establishment of even moderate proportions lazard decided upon the advice of a seafaring man whom he met to remove his stock which he had brought from the northern town to los angeles he told me that he paid fifty-six dollars steamer fare from san francisco to san diego and that the freight on his merchandise cost him twenty dollars a ton among his native friends lazard was always known as don solomon and being popular he frequently acted as floor manager at balls and fandangos lazard is still living at the good old age of eighty-seven years kramer also reached here in eighteen fifty two in time timoteo wolfskill a son of william wolfskill bought kramer's interest and the firm name became lazard and wolfskill each of these worthy pioneers in his day rendered signal service to the community lazard serving as councilman in eighteen sixty two and i shall have occasion therefore to refer to them again abe lazard a brother of solomon who had spent some years in south america came in the late fifties dr e m lazard is a son of s Lazard. while speaking of san diego i may remark that it was quite fifteen years before the interesting old spanish settlement to the south with which i had no business relations attracted me and as i was no exception the reader will see how seldom the early settlers were inclined to roam about merely for sight-seeing in 1853, M. Norton and E. Greenbaum sold merchandise at the southwest corner of Los Angeles and commercial streets, when Jacob, J. L., an early supervisor and city treasurer, 1863-64, and Moritz Morris, councilman in 1869-70, were competitors. In time, Jacob returned to Germany, where he died. Herman Morris, a brother, was a local newspaper reporter. Jacob Letter was another rival who removed to Oakland. Still another dealer in general merchandise was M. Michaels, almost a dwarf in size, who emigrated to South America. Caspar Behrendt, father-in-law of John Kahn, a man prominent in many movements, who arrived in 1851, was another commercial street merchant. Still other early merchants, whom I somewhat distinctly recall, were Israel Fleischman and Julius Sickle, who had a glassware crockery and hardware business and l lasky on commercial street thomas d mott father of john mott the attorney who was lured to california by the gold fever of eighteen forty nine and to los angeles three years later by the climate i met on the day of my arrival his room adjoined my brother's store so that we soon formed an acquaintanceship which ripened in the course of time into a friendship that endured until the day of his death in the early sixties he was the proprietor of a livery stable on main street opposite the stearns home he was very fond of hunting being an expert at dropping a bird on the wing and frequently went dove-shooting with his friends all of which insignificant as it may at first appear i mention for the purpose of indicating the neighborhood of these operations the hunting ground covered none other than that now lying between main and olive streets from about sixth street to pico and teeming to-day as the reader knows with activity and life there sportsmen hunted while more matter-of-fact burghers frequently went with scythes to cut grass for their horses prudent Baudry, a native of quebec destined to make and lose several fortunes was here when i came having previously been a merchant in san francisco when staple articles such as common tax selling at sixteen dollars a package commanded enormous prices two or three times however fire obliterated all his savings and when he reached los angeles beaudry had only about a thousand dollars worth of goods and two or three hundred dollars in cash with these assets he opened a small store on main street opposite the abel stearns home and again favored by the economic conditions of the times he added to his capital very rapidly from Main Street, Beaudry moved to commercial, forming partnerships successively with a man named Brown and with one LeMate. As early as eighteen fifty four, Beaudry had purchased the property at the northeast corner of Aliso Street and Nigger Alley for eleven thousand dollars, and this he so improved with the additional investment of twenty five thousand dollars that he made his now elongated adobe bring him in an income of a thousand a month as stated elsewhere beaudry went to europe in eighteen fifty five returning later to montreal and it was not until eighteen sixty one or later that he came back to los angeles and re-engaged in business this time in his own building where until eighteen sixty five he thrived withdrawing as i shall soon show in the beginning of eighteen sixty six beaudry avenue recalls this early and important man of affairs david w alexander phineas banning's enterprising partner in establishing wagon trains was here when i came and was rather an influential person an irishman by birth he had come to california from mexico by way of salt lake in the early forties and lived for a while in the san bernardino country from eighteen forty four to eighteen forty nine john temple and he had a store at san pedro and still later he was associated in business with banning selling out his interest in eighteen fifty five in eighteen fifty alexander was president of the first common council of los angeles being one of the two members who completed their term in eighteen fifty two he visited europe and in september eighteen fifty five he was elected sheriff of the county bringing to his aid the practical experience of a ranger before keeping store alexander had farmed for a while on the rincon rancho He continued to hold a large extent of acreage and in 1872 was granted a patent to over 4,000 acres in the Providencia and in 1874 to nearly 17,000 acres in the Tahunga Rancho. George C. Alexander, David's brother, was postmaster at San Pedro in 1857. The Hazards arrived in 1853 with a large family of children captain a m hazard having made his way with ox teams from the east via salt lake on a journey which consumed nearly two years at first they took up a claim about four miles from los angeles which was later declared government land the eldest son daniel was employed by banning as a teamster traveling between los angeles and yuma but later he set up in the teaming business for himself George W. Hazard became a dealer in saddlery in Riquena Street, and taking an active interest in the early history of Los Angeles, he collected, at personal sacrifice, souvenirs of the past, and this collection has become one of the few original sources available for research. Footnote. George Hazard died on February 8, 1914. End footnote in eighteen eighty nine henry t hazard after having served the city as its attorney was elected mayor his administration being marked by no little progress in the town's growth and expansion henry who married a daughter of dr william geller and after whom hazard street is named is the only one of the brothers who survives sam meyer who met me as related when i alighted from the stage was another resident of los angeles prior to my coming he had journeyed from Germany to America in 1849, had spent four years in New Orleans, Macon, and other southern cities, and early in eighteen fifty-three had come to California. On Main Street, south of Ricana, I found him with Hilliard Lowenstein in the dry goods business, an undertaking they continued until eighteen fifty-six, when Lowenstein returned to Germany to marry a sister of Meyer emmanuel lowenstein one of the issue of this marriage and a jolly charitable fellow is well known about town on december fifteenth eighteen sixty one meyer married miss johanna daughter of s c and rosalia davis and the same year formed a partnership with davis in the crockery business after two and a half years of residence in germany lowenstein returned to los angeles meyer so long identified with local freemasonry died in 1903. A daughter married Max Lowenthal, the attorney. Footnote. Mrs. Meyer died on September 4, 1914. And footnote: Baruch Marx, one of the very few people yet living who were here when I arrived, is now about 91 years of age and still a resident of Los Angeles. He was with Louis Schlesinger, who lost his life when the Ada Hancock was destroyed, and Hyman Tischler, in the general merchandise business in eighteen fifty three at Mellis's row the firm being known as b marks and Company, and having prospered he went to berlin there after the franco-prussian war when much disaster befell speculators he lost most of his means and greatly reduced in resources he returned to los angeles since then however he has never been able to retrieve his fortune luckily he enjoys good health even being able at his advanced age as he told me recently to shave himself footnote marx died on july 9, nineteen fourteen in eighteen fifty one herman schlesinger reached los angeles and engaged in the dry goods business with tobias sherwinski in eighteen fifty five moritz schlesinger herman's brother came here and clerked for the firm in eighteen fifty seven schlesinger and sherwinski having made approximately fourteen thousand dollars which they divided sold out to moritz schlesinger and returned to germany a few years later sherwinski lost his money and coming back to california located in san diego where he died schlesinger remained in germany and died there about nineteen hundred collins wadham's had a general store on the northeast corner of main and commercial streets a piece of property afterward bought by charlie ducommon at another time wadhams and foster were general merchants who succeeding to the business of foster and mcdougall were soon followed by douglas foster and wadhams clerking for this firm when i came was william w jenkins who left for arizona years afterwards where he led an adventurous life henry g yarrow often called cuatro ojos or four eyes from the fact that he wore a pair of big spectacles on a large hooked nose was an eccentric character of the fifties and later he once conducted a store at the southwest corner of los angeles and ricana streets and was the Jevney of his day in so far as he dealt in superior and exceptional commodities generally not found in any other store in other respects however the comparison fails For he kept the untidiest place in town, and his stock was fearfully jumbled together, necessitating an indefinite search for every article demanded. The store was in a little low room in an adobe building about twenty feet long and ten feet wide, with another room in the rear where Yarrow cooked and slept. He was also a mysterious person, and nobody ever saw the inside of this room. His clothes were of the commonest material. He was polite and apparently well bred yet he never went anywhere for social intercourse nor did he wish any one to call upon him except for trade aside from the barest necessities he was never known to spend any money and so he came to be regarded as a miser one morning he was found dead in his store and for some time thereafter people dug in his backyard searching for the earnings believed to have been secreted there but not a cent of his hoard was ever found there were all kinds of rumors however respecting yarrow one was to the effect that he was a scion of a noted english family and that disappointment in love had soured and driven him from the world while another report was that his past had been somewhat shady nobody apparently knew the truth but i personally believe that yarrow was honest and know that when at one time despite his efforts he failed in business he endeavored to settle his debts upon the most honorable basis charles hale later associated with m w child's had a tin shop just where stern's arcadia block now stands this shop stood on elevated ground making his place of business rather difficult of access from which the reader will gain some idea of the irregular appearance of the landscape in early days hale in time went to mexico where he was reported to have made a fortune August Olyard arrived with his wife on the last day of December 1852, and rented a house near the plaza. In competition with Joseph Le Long, who had established his Jenny Lind bakery a couple of years previous, Ulyard opened a bake-shop, making his first bread from yeast which Mrs. Olyard had brought with her across the plains there had been nothing but french bread in los angeles up to that time but ulyard began to introduce both german and american bread and cake which soon found favor with many later he added freshly baked crackers after a while he moved to the site of the natick house at the southwest corner of main and first streets and once he owned the southwest corner of fifth and spring streets on which the alexandria hotel now stands having no children of their own Ulyard and his wife adopted first one and then another until eventually they had a family of seven picturing these unpretentious stores i recall a custom long prevalent here among the native population just as in mexico a little lump of sugar called a pilon or something equally insignificant was given with even the smallest purchase so here some trifle called a pilon was thrown in to please the buyer and if a merchant neglected to offer such a gratuity the customer was almost certain to ask for it among the meat handlers there were several centu brothers but those with whom i was more intimately acquainted were jean and louis father of louis centu the present french consul both of whom if i mistake not came about the middle of the fifties They engaged in the sheep business, and later Louis had a packing house of considerable importance located between Los Angeles and Santa Monica, where he also owned over a thousand acres of valuable land, which he sold some time before his death. They were very successful, and Centu Street bears their name. Jean died in 1903, and Louis a few years later. Refugio Boteo was another wholesale cattle and meat dealer arthur mackenzie dodson who came here in eighteen fifty and later married miss reyes daughter of nasario dominguez conducted a butcher shop and one of the finest grocery stores he was also the first to make soap here for a while dodson was in partnership with john benner who during a quarter of a century when in business for himself in the old temple adobe on main street built up an important trade in the handling of meat james h dodson is arthur's son santiago boyo also kept a small grocery hog bennett was here in the middle fifties he raised and killed hogs and cured the ham and bacon which he sold to neighboring dealers possessed as he was of an unusual sense of rectitude i esteemed francisco solano father of alfred solano for his many good qualities he was in the butcher business in sonoratown and was prosperous in the early fifties an odd little store was that of madame salandi who came to california in eighteen forty nine on the same vessel that brought lorenzo Leck. she had a butcher shop but rather curiously she was also a money-lender i believe that jack yates was here in eighteen fifty three he owned the first general laundry located on los angeles street between first and Recena, and conducted it with success and profit for many years until he succumbed to the competition of the chinese yates's daughter miss mary d married h j Woolcott at one time a prominent financier more than once in recording these fragmentary recollections i have had occasion to refer to persons who at one time or another were employed in a very different manner than in a later period of their lives the truth is that in the early days one's occupation did not weigh much in the balance, provided only that he was honorable and a good citizen, and pursuits lowly today were then engaged in by excellent men. Many of the vocations of standing were unknown, in fact, fifty or sixty years ago, and refined and educated gentlemen often turned their attention to what are now considered humble occupations. End of section five.